0: Guys, we're in the middle of a pandemic and these are trying times. It's hard on our mental health, our mental state. And this is why I love our sponsor today, BetterHelp. They're the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. It's brilliant. Sign up today. Go to betterhelp.com backslash solving healthcare and get 10% off sign up fees. Quadcast99 at gmail.com, reach out on Facebook at Quadcast, or online at drquadjo.ca. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadro Karamante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Qualcast Nation, welcome back. We have a very exciting episode with Dr. Chris Rayner and we jump into several things. This man has blown up YouTube in terms of educating the public with orthopedic concerns and other medical issues. And what I like about Chris is his willingness to think outside the box and to provide education in a way that is entertaining and extremely informative. And you know, what we we bond on is how it's outside the box thinking, not conventional within medicine. And how big of a reach you can have by, you know, educating through social media and having your own network, uh, such as his YouTube channel, which literally has over 130,000 subscribers. And uh, yeah, real proud of him. We also talk about his amazing Clinic Human 2.0, where you have physio, massage, you get uh, access to your orthopedic surgeon all in one place. Workout facility. I got to spend some time there, which was incredible. And then we we jump into what it's been like uh, going through the ranks as as black physicians. And you know we've done several episodes on systemic racism and in, in healthcare. But you know Chris and I have gone through it in the same hospital. He's from Ottawa, uh, and and hearing his his struggles and. Uh, and so forth. It was, it was a great time to kind of connect and and talk about these things. So, um, but before getting into it, I got to tell you about solving wellness. Almost 250 members now, y'all. Like we're we're rolling in it. It's our way of trying to reduce clinician burnout. Where we got your access to workouts, yoga, mindful meditation, cooking classes and stress management tips, nutrition advice, all under one platform, $99 for the year, $9.99 per month. First month is free. Go to com and check it out. Anyway, without further ado, let's jump on it. Dr. Chris Rayner. Quadcast Nation, I got my brother on the podcast. Brother from another mother, Dr. Chris Rayner. We got orthopedic surgeon youtuber business owner and like boogie changer my friend welcome to the Quadcast.
1: <laughs> thanks man thanks for having me I appreciate it. appreciate you uh you know having me on and giving me an opportunity to chat and you know shoot the shit
0: yeah shoot the shit is right listen like I can't believe how entertaining your YouTube channel is it was it was one of those things where I so I, Emma Bessonette was one of the instructors that's helped us out on uh, solving wellness. And uh, she was so kind to, to allow me to come to one of the classes. And I was so blown away by the center and so forth, but she pointed me out towards the YouTube channel and I was blown away. So maybe Chris, tell us about uh, the development of the your YouTube channel, wh- why it came to be and um and why it's blown up?
1: Okay, um, so it's a little bit of a convoluted story. I'll, I'll try to keep it relatively short. So um, two of my sons uh, were social media personalities, okay? So, um, one is, has a formal education in theater, uh, and the other one was involved in theater in high school uh, and university, uh, although he had an undergraduate and different degrees anyway. Um, at one point they were doing filming and they were putting it on YouTube. So this was maybe like 10 years ago and a bunch of their friends were doing the same thing. So um, they would film stuff, put it up on YouTube and they called themselves a little bit of everything. Cause there were kids of every car. Right. And so um, they started doing that. And then at some point, it went from, you know, posting little videos and having a couple people watch it to, um, like, I got a thousand subscribers. Oh, now I have like several hundred thousand subscribers. Oh, now I have a million. So the group of friends that they had collectively, they probably had several million subscribers and they, they were growing. And um, because, number one, we had a, a larger house... Um, I had three kids and and so we had a house that could accommodate the three kids and also my wife and I are pretty, we're we're pretty relaxed and and, and, you know we kind of allow things to happen. Um, None of the other parents would allow these kids to film at their house, so they would always be at our house, and so they'd be filming. And we would be in the videos inadvertently because I'm like the safety person. I'm like, yo, you can't blow that shit up here. Um, you, you have to behave yourself. Or at least if you're going to do that, some adults should be around to make sure you're not going to burn down the house. So so I would appear as cameos, my wife and I, in these videos. People said, oh, jeez, oh, your parents, they're funny, funny. They should, be, they should get their own channel. So we got our own channel. And we were just doing funny stuff for a bit. And we had a channel called The Rents um, because we were the parents, right? So we did that for a bit. And we did that for about a year and a half, uh, maybe two years. And it was fun, but it was... Stuff outside of what I'm doing, and it's hard to prepare video, script the video, film the video, edit all of that, and it's outside of what I'm doing. So, we just stopped doing that because we're, we're, you know, I'm a full time orthopedic surgeon, my wife runs the business, we run this business outside, and then we're trying to do this on top. So, at some point, we just stopped too busy. Um, but I like the idea of, of doing stuff, and I thought, okay, well, how can I take How can I streamline my life a little bit more and take this idea of doing online um, and and incorporate it into what I do? So I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to start a channel um, and uh, I'm going to be a a doc. It's going to be a Dr. Chris Channel. It's going to be about medical education. And uh, I'm going to educate people. So, so then I thought, OK, so let's let's run with that. And I said to my son at the time, who had helped us build our other channel, I don't want your help. I'm going to do this by myself. I want to generate my own audience. And, and we'll go from there. So, so I did that. And um, prior to medicine, um, my first two years of medical school, I was a supply teacher. So I, I, was, I had a formal education. Leg- Formal education training. Um, I have my seat, my teaching certificate, um, and so I kind of do have a little bit of a background in education. Uh, and I thought, okay, I'm going to teach people. But one of the things that I quickly learned on YouTube is that like doing stuff the way that we're so we're used to um, education. That doesn't fly. Like we, we, it may work for us because we pay $20,000 to go sit in the classroom to go learn so we can become a physician. So so we're, we're motivated because like we spent that money. So we're going to listen. Right. (laughs) Um, but people on the internet like it's, it's it's all free. They they can click on, click off. It doesn't work. So what I quickly discovered after starting um, my channel is that I couldn't do this kind of didactic stuff. That's not going to fly. Uh, so what I have to do is be an. Um, I have to do. Uh, there's a guy on 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 social media. His name is um, Patrick Beth David, um, and this guy has he's coined a term called edutainment, uh, and what it is is that. He entertains people and when they're not looking, he sprinkles in a little bit of education, right? And his main goal is to educate people. But he's realized, I cannot do it the same way you do it in the classroom. Um, I can't give people the same, people's attention spans are so short, you can't give them that same type of, or same quantity of information, right? When you think about what, how much information we would give to somebody in a medical school lecture, right? And and what that would equate to, in the, you know, just read these 60 pages for next class, right? You can't do that. So um, you have to give small little bite-sized pieces, and um, you have to do it in a way that's entertaining and, and is it's associated with something that's important to them. So this is what I started to learn how to do. And so um, I, I would say I'm now so I'm, this is I'm going into my th- I'm going into my third year, and um I'm learning now. I would say I'm just getting the hang of it about how, how to balance the entertainment with the education. And it's just starting to pick up like up until now um, it's been a learning experience the whole time, trying to figure out what to do, how much to do. Um, But that's sort of how Dr. Chris came about. And it's, it's, you know, just starting to pick up. And then I've been fortunate enough to, uh, do you know have a of people that I've collaborated with um, that are bigger than me that have helped? Um, and then I've also uh, you know recently I was I was on CBC for they they asked me a question about something uh, and and things little things like that that are starting to come up and and those things are are helping to grow and, and give me some momentum. I love it. I love it. And it's
0: like you said, this is you got to adapt to your audience, yo. Like like we like you said we paid 20k a year whatever to to get educated on uh on our craft and yeah you're gonna when they throw down knowledge you're gonna you're forced to sit down and 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 take it but if we really want to reach more people we gotta we gotta ask ourselves what's the best way to do it and this is what i i love so much about dr chris channel because as you said, there's that level of entertainment where you are hooked to the screen. Like I, I'm telling you, I watched like four back to back. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And I was just like, I'm laughing. My my wife's like, what are you, what's what's so funny? And I was just, I, it, you guys got to say, well, obviously I have links to the show uh, and the show notes, but just, just your reactions too. So uh, one of my favorite was like, don't take this the wrong way, but they were showing somebody back that, neck I think they were adjusting a baby's neck or was it just the back
1: Yeah yeah no they they were adjusting the back Yeah okay yeah but either
0: way it was very uncomfortable to watch uh yes. and just just the reactions the commentary and just and clarifying why this is not necessary and why this is uh ak like essentially uh, you know wrong uh without uh not and as you said not putting chiropractors under the bus it was just i'm I'm not a big fan of adjusting babies um uh, mm-hmm. but holy cow um so yeah i really want to commend you for the approach and and i think honestly a lot of our colleagues if i'm not if might sound crazy to say this but could learn from this Do mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. um because w- once again we're trying depending on what your content is but we wanna be able to engage as many people inform as many people as possible so that they could be either better clinicians or even the public can have, make better decisions for themselves.
1: Yes, well, so here's the thing, right? Like if, if you look at the orthopedic community um, in Ottawa, There's like 50 orthopedic surgeons maybe 60 orthopedic surgeons and they they look at me like i'm kind of strange right like i'm doing this weird thing they're like why why are you doing that man? why why don't you just you why don't you just focus on orthopedic stuff and and don't get me wrong man i want to be a good orthopedic surgeon um i want to be known for my skills uh, with my hands right because that's my craft that's what i do but here's the thing um like and we talked a little bit about this before. Um, I have an interest in education. And, and when, I, um, when I first came out, there was no orthopedic jobs. I was helping out, doing some surgical assist. But really, I was functioning at the at TOH for, for two years as like the chief. Right, even though there was an orthopedic chief, I was like the chief or the fellow because um, the staff guy is like, "Oh my God, I got a fully trained orthopedic surgeon here who's already done his fellowship. Um, I don't need to be in the room. I don't need to be around. I don't need to do anything. So uh, you just take care of it." That's like the case. That's me working with the residents. That's me working with the fellows. It's like, yeah, you just take care of it, and I, I'll pop my head in, whatever. And and so I I enjoy that education, um, but. Uh, As you know, in order to be involved with education, for the most part, in in the medical setting, you need to be an academic, right? And so you you need to have an academic posting. So I have the lowest posting of the barrel, right? I'm I'm in the hospital. Uh, I, because I'm not big into research, I cannot get into the, the, um, the academic center. Um, and, and I, but I still have this love of education. So if I want to educate people, I have to figure out some other way to be able to do it. And one thing I said to my colleagues uh, I, was, uh, I, I gave a talk at the Ontario um, Orthopaedic Association uh, annual meeting because uh, they, they had me come and, and do a talk about social media. And I said to them, here we are at this conference and there's maybe a 1,000 surgeons. So I'm going to give a talk or, or my colleague will give a talk and he'll speak to you 1,000 surgeons. So that's 1,000. Then you'll go out and disseminate that information to your patients. Some of them will pay attention or, you know, if you're an academic, you'll you'll do it to your residents. So let's say you got taken that that message that's gone to a thousand, then you're going to spread that out to another couple hundred, you know. Um, And so in the end, maybe a couple hundred thousand people are going to hear that, right? A couple hundred thousand people. Um, I can go onto YouTube. I don't have to go through any middleman. I can do my stuff on social media and just see, for example, the stats last year, last month, last month, okay? I had 3 million views on my videos. So I have touched three, in one month, I've touched 3 million people. And not 3 million people in Ontario, not 3 million people in Canada. I've touched 3 million people around the world. I have people from Australia, people from Germany, people from the United States, people from Chile, people from South Africa. I have people from all over Japan, wherever they, they stuff, they say, hey, uh, hey, Dr. Chris, just want to let you know you've got a fan here and wherever. Um, thank you for what you do. I am going so number one, direct to the source, no middleman. Number two, people from around the world. And so uh people can they they can say, oh geez, that's that's stupid what you're doing. OK, but again, you're going to touch maybe a couple hundred thousand. And in one month, I touch three million. So, you know, if, if, the, if the main goal is for me to educate, and get the word out, then I don't care what they think about what I'm doing, because as an educator, I am doing what I'm what, you know, what my goal is. And as um, if you look at the CanMeds 2000 roles. Right. One is educator, one is communicator, and I am doing both of those things. And I'm not having to jump through the typical academic hoops to be able to do it.
0: Yo, I mean, listen, you know the other beautiful thing too, like number one, uh hundred percent further reach by by thinking outside the box and uh you know using other platforms to de- that, that aren't traditional. Cause I'll tell you, I mean, this is why we still launched the show. We're doing a lot of research on uh, how to save money in the healthcare system and improve care. Not nothing was changing. You know, you, you go, you put a paper out in one of our, a, a, like a critical care journal that has got an impact factor of three feels like maybe 500, uh 500,000 people have read it. Maybe, I don't know, but when you think about putting that on social media, you know, that is a true amplifier and that's a way forward. The other thing I like about what, what you're throwing down, Chris, is that you in your journey decided to stick with your authentic self. What 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 makes you you and that is to be jovial, to be to to laugh, to, sm- to smile, to educate. And you found found it in a way that fits your life and it fits your, your personality. And this is one thing I, I think for the kids is an important lesson, like, mo- like really think, cre- thinking creatively and to mold your, your career path, that it just suits you well, because, you know, I think you could appreciate this, Chris, like we medicine, we don't think outside the box too often. We're very, regimented we want everything to fit in this classic way of of ed, whether it's educating research or what have you we like there's n- not much in the way of outside the box thinking
1: yes oh no for sure um what well, and you know i had always so both of my parents were in, um you know they emigrated from jamaica okay and both of my parents had grade 10 education so, okay and so um they, they 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 didn't know a lot right um, and they were also of the generation where people of authority speak, everybody else listens, you don't question and and you move on right so my parents would always go to um, the physician or whatever, and the physician would say something to them uh, and and they would not question. And they wouldn't ask any questions. They wouldn't question the, the judgment or the the opinion or whatever. Uh, and then they would leave. And then the first thing they do is get on the phone. And then they call me. Say, hey, Chris. Uh, you know, I was at the doctor, and they they you know said whatever. What what does this mean? And I said. I wasn't there. What do, you, what do you mean? What does this mean? Um, what did they say to you? And I, I have to try to decipher that, right? And and before HIPAA times, I would call the physician and say, Hey, yo, you, you spoke to my parents. I'm their son. I'm, I'm you know I'm medicine. Blah blah blah. W- what do you say? I need to be able to explain to them. And one of the things I promised myself is that um, number one, no patient would ever leave my office without having an understanding of what I was talking about. And if that meant just the same way, like, you know, I've done 17 years of postgraduate education. Um, I know all the terms. And I know how to speak about particular topics. But I also know that as an educator, and as somebody who's had to translate for his parents, not everybody understands that. And nobody gives a shit if I know how to speak about, you know, um, the angulation, the the translation of a fracture, nobody cares. They want to be able to understand and feel comfortable. Right. So if that means I have to bring something down to whatever level is required for them to understand, then so be it. I have to do that. So, um, part of that is, uh, you know, a, a desire to make sure that, that, um, people feel comfortable. Uh, and, and in that, I need to speak in a way that they feel comfortable with. Um, and also, nobody likes this, and um, nobody feels comfortable with the whole kind of like regimented, the whole thing about medicine, right? As you said, we are very regimented, we have, we have systems uh, in place, which are very great, when when stuff is going sideways right um but that is not it's very cold it's very clinical and that's not something that people can resonate with when they're in a time of need when they are like at their worst man when they're you know when they're dying or or when when something of major importance is happening so I also decided, number one, I was going to try to make it so that everybody could understand. But number two, I'm just going to try and not take things so seriously. And it's not to say that I don't take medicine seriously, or that I don't take life-threatening situations seriously, I do. But I think that um, some sense of levity is important to help as a tool to help people feel comfortable, right? And and so... um, you know, pe- people sometimes say in my videos, oh, you, 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 why are you so outlandish? Why do you behave this way? Blah, blah, blah. You're, you're putting on a show. Man, what you see is what you get. Anybody who knows me knows that this is like I am. Uh, I said to you before, like I'm a gym rat. I'm, I'm a football player, gym rat, hanging out with the boys. That's me. Right. I happen to have 17 years of education and I'm also an orthopedic surgeon, but primarily I'm the other guy. So like when I'm chilling with my friends or whatever, I'm chilling at home. That's me that like I'm what you see. I actually it's funny because I told you my one son has um, he is uh, a trained thespian. Okay, so he has a theater degree. He is a professional actor. And he he edits some of my stuff and he reviews some of my stuff. He's like, Dad, man, like, why, are you, why are you so out there? Like, relax, man. Sometimes you need to just use, you know, you need to speak quietly and do all these kinds of these these actual acting techniques. And he says, you 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 could convey so much meaning by doing all these things. He, I gotta turn it down sometimes on my videos, right? Because it's like. I'm just that guy. And as a child, ADHD, and I was medicated at one point, cause I'm just, um, I, I don't have two speeds. I have one speed and it's 100%. It's 100 miles an hour all the time. Right. Go, Go, that's it. (laughs) Right. So, you know, I just, it's, um, yeah. And I think people, if I'm not trying to trying to be something that I'm not, People on YouTube, um, you know, they may not necessarily have all the education, but people are smart. And they can can smell out, they can ferret out authenticity, right? So, it's like, I'm just going to be myself. I mean, mean, exactly. And it's like, you want,
0: I mean, years of doing this at the bedside, people want someone that's relatable. They want to be able to just be like, you know what? I could talk to this doctor. I could... I could spend time with them. I could understand what he is or she is saying. I I could be open enough to ans- ask a question that I'm, you know, like your parents, like there's going to be a level of, I'm sorry, intimidation where even if they did have a question, what was the likelihood that they were going to ask it? You know what I mean? Like depending on the, you know, if they felt like it was going to be a stupid question or what have you, even though it's not a stupid question. So, I don't know, like every, to me, in my opinion, everybody wins when you have somebody that you can look at that's taking care of your loved one that you can relate to that, that you know, you have, uh, you know, that's relatable. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 you know, and I think, every, yeah, and also it's just for the clinician, it's better for, like we all talk about burnout and self-care and all this kind of stuff. For me, you know, part of being, like reducing burnout is to be yourself to be able mm-hmm. to like not have to put on a, a show you know speaking of which actually I, this might be a natural transition into like you know you and I are, are one of the few brothers in uh <laughs> physicians in our city and actually now that I think about it people would always think I was you back <laughs> the day. they're like I'd walk into the merge and be like ortho ortho you ortho I'm like Motherfucker. There's like how many of us like, like you've seen me treat these internal medicine patients, okay? <clears throat> like, st- stop, stop calling me ortho, please. Take a look, <laughs> just a deeper look. Take the time, look at the badge. Yes. And stop calling me ortho. We Anyways. don't all like. Yeah, we don't exactly. But um, what was your experience as uh, uh, a, a black physician? Um, like in terms of, you know, going up the ranks, uh, experiencing with experience with patients, like what, what was your, you know, lasting impression?
1: You know, during my three years of YouTube, I've done one video where I talked about the color of my skin one. And, uh, I got, I got a lot of heat, uh, uh, when I was talking about that and people said, man, you should shut up. You're blessed. You've not lived a life of of any like discomfort or whatever. Um, And, and look at where you are today. And I have to preface everything that I'm going to say by saying, I am truly blessed regardless of what I have been through. I do have a fortunate life, right? I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I'm fully trained. Uh, I have an independent practice. I own my own business. I can do what I want for the most part. Um, And yes, I'm, I'm blessed. I am blessed, but it's not to say, and, and it's not to say that I want my experience to be the same as everybody else's. I I don't, I don't think that that's, it's required. I don't think that's, that's necessary. Um, But uh, there are things that occurred during my, my training where, you know, if, if, push came to shove and they said, do I, would I want to do that again? or Would I want to experience that again? Or was I, did I think that that was um, uh, an integral part uh, of, of my experience? I would say, no, it's not like, um, and sometimes they're little things. For example, I, I can remember times where I'm the senior on the service and I'm the one who's done the surgery. I I've seen the patient, I've done the surgery, whatever, but patients, you know, you come in, and like, they think that you, you, you come in to do rounds and it's like, uh, like, are you the Porter? Are you the, are you the TV guy? Are you the, this? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding? I did your surgery, man. I fixed your hip. What are you talking about? You know? Um, and just the, and it's not even like, it's, that's no big deal, but it's just the fact that they, that a black person will walk in the room and they couldn't like, I'm wearing, a, I'm wearing a lab coat. I'm wearing a lab coat and a badge, and you you couldn't that didn't dawn on you that I I could be the one that that would have done it, right? So there were there was stuff like that. Um, I, you know, um, my residency, my residency wasn't the greatest, in in that, um, I I had some some issues with with some of my staff for a number of reasons. When I came in, I was a little bit older. I already had kids, um, and um I'm very very outspoken I'm not the kind of yes sir yes ma'am shut up kind of guy if I have a problem I'm gonna tell you I have a problem um and and also um you know I recognize like I'm there to learn and I'm there to um absorb as much knowledge as I can and I'm there to try and be as integral a part of the the program as I can but that doesn't mean that like I'm your guest guy, and it doesn't mean that um I'm not uh, that I'm your slave right I, I'm not doing stuff just just because you know like I'm doing stuff that that is important that has has meaning has a role um, and so that that kind of put me in um in some cases in a bad light and people were like, "Oh man, you're lazy. You're lazy. You, you don't you don't work hard enough." Blah blah blah. And then you know, obviously, as as a black person, um, being one of the few black people, well, it's easy to identify who you are, right? <laughs> like it's like you can't hide in 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 amongst your peers because like you're one of the only ones, you know. Uh, and so, oh, it's the black guy. He oh, he's lazy. You know, and it's funny. I I look back when I think about all these people who said I was lazy and I think, motherfucker, I work harder now than you have ever worked in your life. Right. And, and um, everything that, that I have, uh, that I have now, or I've tamed, I've done it through hard work, blood, sweat, and tear I'm on my own with no assistance because there's, you know, like people uh, they go, Oh, he's lazy. I'm not helping him. I'm not going to do whatever. I have to do, have to do myself. And um, part of part of what I've wanted to achieve, um, people say, oh, well, you are you're successful. When's enough is enough. Says, I told you before, I, I have a I have a chip. It's not even a chip. Right. Like it's it's like a, a block or it's like a tree on my shoulder. I have a chip because um, there's a few things about me. Um, and one of which is like, don't tell me I can't do something. Don't ever put those words in your mouth, right? Because if you tell me that, now you have motivated me. And so part of my mission, um, you know, I've been a Christ 12 years, my 10th year. Part of my mission has been to not only will I show you that you, you, you looked at the wrong Black guy and said, no, you can't do this. Right. Um, so not only will I show you that I can do it, I'm gonna be so successful when I'm doing it. I'm. I'm not. I'm not only am I gonna do it. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna do it by your your um the established method. I'm gonna walk outside of the established method. I'm gonna walk beside it. I'm gonna wave at you as I'm walking past. And then I'm gonna be so successful that you are that you're gonna then say, what, what the hell? How did he do that? Right. And I'm gonna stand there at the finish and go, Yeah, this is the same lazy one that you were talking about that you know wasn't gonna become North Peak surgeon or whatever. Yeah, that that's that's the same one. Just 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 you know, clean your glasses, make sure you can see, because I'm the same one. So love, that, that's my mission.
0: I love it so much because. I- I, I mean, I, I have that same chip, and the chip came from so much like naysaying. You know, for me, it's like, oh, you want to get into med school? What? You want to be an ICU No. Nah. You want to start a research program on cost? What are you talking about? You know, like all the these steps where they're just naysaying. And as you said, it's at the end of the day, you'll be like, I'll show y'all. Okay. Uh, we'll be flexing and i'll I'll show y'all that this this naysaying was at a a not only unfounded but you were completely wrong in in doubting these uh our, our, our capabilities and one of the things that people don't realize too like and maybe i might be wrong but i didn't ask you this directly but like a lot of us the few of us that are out there almost exclusively have no mentorship when doing these things. Like, I don't know if, you, like, so, you know, I can I speak of almost everything in my career was out of, you know, was self-driven or like, once again, not having that mentorship at this, at, you know, when it comes to what, whether it's research or what have you, but I don't know if you felt the same way, Chris. So
1: when I was, um, when I was in grade school, one of my friends... Um, his father uh, was a physician his father was Haitian um, and uh, that was something that put a spark in me that said hey this is possible I could actually do this and be an orthopedic or not I didn't know orthopedics but I could actually be a physician so so there was a little bit of a spark from that but beyond that there was no mentorship, man. There was no mentorship. It was all um, self-driven and, and I shouldn't say 100% self-driven because my, my parents were very, very positive, right? And my father, even though he had a grade 10 education, he was a very smart man. He always was reading books, right? And he would say to me, "There, you can do anything that you want. You just have to put in the hard work, put your mind to it. And so they were very supportive. Um, but Outside of that, you know, he he was pushing me, but he wasn't necessarily a mentor in terms of medicine. In in terms of medicine, any of that, none of it was, I had no mentors, right? It was like, you know, I I had lots of naysayers, right? Lots of of people saying, oh, you can't do that. You're not going to be able to do that. Oh, whatever. Um, But In terms of mentors, none. So I I basically had to um, just intrinsic, you know, it's funny, we talk about intrinsic motivation, man, you just have to kind of find some fire inside sometimes and say, yeah, no, you you can do it. And it was, I'm not gonna lie, man, it was hard. There was there was one point I had to take a medical leave of absence in the middle of residency, uh, because I was depressed, right? Um, Because, coming in, uh, I remember immediately prior to that, right? So this was partway through my third year and and just coming in every day. And I I don't care whether this is old school or the way that they learn or whatever, but having people tell you every day, man, you're not gonna be able to do it. You're not gonna be able to cut it. Like at some point, sometimes that plays with your mind, right? And and I remember it, it didn't, like I would come in I would come into the hospital so early because I I wanted to be there before everybody. And I would come in the back door of the hospital, right? Um, Because I didn't want anybody to see me coming. I wanted to just be there so that I could be early enough to make sure everything was done so that nobody could question anything. And then I would leave out the back door, like after everybody else was gone. And I remember doing this and, and just, every day, every day, every day. And people want man, you, you, you don't work hard. You don't work hard enough. You're not doing enough. You can't be successful. And just, even though I had this thing inside saying, yeah, man, you can do it. You can, you can do it. Um, at one point I, I almost kind of broke, right. And I had to take a little bit of a, um, uh, I remember going into the wellness officer um, uh, at that, that time, a lady named Monique Bone.
0: I talked to Monique and regularly.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that was my girl, man. And I remember going in one day and, uh, and she said to me, number one, you're not leaving this office. Um, I, number two, you're taking a leave of absence. Number three, you're going straight from here to the psychiatrist because you need to talk to somebody. Um, and I'm not allowing you to leave. Uh, cause I was just like, I, I gotta do more. I can't, and it's, it's, you know, and she could see, I was like on the edge. Right. So I took, I took a couple of months off, um, got my head straight and then got back to it. And it's not to say what I went back. It was any easier, but it's just, I had a different, a little bit of a different perspective. Right. So, um, yeah, it was just um, yeah. It, well, that that was not a fun part, not fun time in, in my life. No,
0: and absolutely, and sorry that you had to go through all that, Chris. But you hear a lot of this from. I hear this regularly from a lot of black physicians. Unfortunately, like when uh, we have a black mentorship program, and we've been blessed to have some of the some you know established docs speak to us, and. Well, your your story unfortunately is is quite common like the you know the these preconceived perceptions on on how the black physician is going to be or is the common thread of being lazy uh not working hard enough despite hearing stories of them you know them hustling them mm-hmm. you know producing, Academic output, um you know, just stepping up in every way they can, and then, uh, and then hearing about this like breakdown, like they're hitting a wall, and um this is why I think it's so important to talk about the to to validate, you know, like I, I like for me, one of the things was like I thought I was crazy, like I was thinking like mm-hmm. w- w- you know maybe it's my personality, maybe like maybe I got to be, you know, uh, more more uh, like like the opposite of my authentic self be the person that they want me to be yes. um but it just that ruins you it just so yeah i, I you know, commend you thanks for being honest about that and um but i honestly this is such a common thread among mm-hmm. uh, uh you know uh, black uh future docs or uh, current docs
1: yeah. Well, you know, it's what, like one thing I've, I've often said, I'm not looking to be a role model for people because um, I, I don't know that, that that's what I am. Um, but what I want to be like, um, as I said, I, I I had one. So when I look back to my childhood, there was the one doc that I saw my friend's father. Okay. Um, who was a physician and I saw, one black teacher at my high school. Okay. Those were the only two black professionals that I ever encountered during my um, pre-university years. Okay. And in university, there weren't that many more, right? Um, I don't necessarily want to be a role model, but what I do want to be able to do, um, when, when black people turn on the TV Or when they look at stuff on the internet they see professional professional athletes musicians right entertainers that's what they see that those are the roles that have been carved out for black people okay fuck that shit okay um and i don't have any problem against that i wanted to be a professional football player right drafted in the cfl that's what i wanted to do but i also that was part one part two was always that i still wanted to be a physician right and i wanted to try and be able to do both um but i want to see listen man when you look out there i don't want them to think about here's the whole breadth of career opportunities but yo you're black so you can only consider these ones over here i don't want that i want them to be able to see um yo you can be an orthopedic surgeon, you can be a lawyer, you can be whatever you want. Because, hey, you see over there, there are others that, that look like you and, and, and they are that. And the other reason why it's important for me to be authentic and be my normal self is because I want people to understand you don't need to do what you were thinking of and what I was thinking of. I got to sell out. I gotta be this guy like this in the lab coat, and I gotta—I have to speak in a particular manner, of, um, just so that's hey, people.
0: This is the only it. professional way to speak oh, all the that, time. Let's get a bolus of LASIKs at that, this time.
1: Miss me with that shit. Um, I—you know what? I can be—I can be an educated person, and I can know what I know, uh, and be able to do what I do, and still be able to just be comfortable, just be myself, and—and and, um, I don't have to be. Listen, I, like I grew up in a blue-collar family, right? Working-class family. I, I grew up on the poor side of town, um, and I had to work for everything. And, and um, I don't have to be ashamed of my 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 past just because I'm an orthopedic surgeon, because I make money now, and because I'm educated. Uh, some somehow I have to be ashamed of that. That if if I have to be ashamed of that, that means I have to be ashamed of my parents. And there's no. Way I'm going to be ashamed of my parents, man. My, my, my parents, as I said, factory workers, man, my, my parents worked their asses off to provide for us. And there is no way that I will ever be ashamed of that. And if that means that I got to behave the way I behave, or whatever, I'm cool with that. Right? I'm I am 100% cool with that. And I don't, I don't think I have to leave that behind. Because I have four university degrees, like that. That you know what? It's funny. I have these degrees. They're still in the tubes. They're not. They're too, not actually. Not, yeah, they're. they're I've not, never
0: taken them out. I've never they're, taken they're them out.
1: Praying, they're not on my wall. And and you know, sometimes people say, "Are you ashamed of those?" No, I'm not ashamed. But it's like piece of paper, man. Piece of paper, right? Like, what's 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 the big deal, right? It's like whatever. That's I- One day I'll put them up, but it's not that day
0: it's funny I, I mean uh yeah i've I've never put mine up either and I, I don't know what has prevented me from doing it it just i don't know it just feels kind of like oh look at this oh, i got my degree uh, like it, it, it feels like i'm showing off a bit i don't know maybe oh,
1: yeah, we, and, and it may be that you know what i mean like i don't i don't need to it, it is a little bit it's a little bit pretentious you know what yeah. i mean
0: yeah yeah no it uh, no I hear you I hear you wow I I love what you're saying though is like you know being being true to who you are where you come from don't be ashamed of shit like just just being you being Doctor Chris speaking of which we can't get off this call and not talk about human 2.0. Because this was when I walked in the building, I was just like, yes, 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 son. This is what it's all about. So maybe talk, uh, Chris, about what inspired it, uh, how it came came to be, because I I, I was absolutely blown away.
1: Sure. So. Human 2.0, this is our sixth year or something like that. Remember, we're going into our seventh year. Um, And it came partway through my my practice. Um, And when I think about how I was trained, so as an orthopedic surgeon, the way that I was trained was like, uh, I'm a surgeon. I'm going to assess the problem. I'm going to come up with the surgical solution. If there is one. And then after that, I'm going to send the patient off to physiotherapy. So physiotherapy is this separate silo over here. And the physiotherapy, those are professionals who have been taught on how to do the rehabilitation for um, X number of procedures, right? And so I will um, trust that they know what they're doing, and I'm going to hand over to them. But when you think about orthopedic surgery, I, I always tell patients that what I do is probably only about 10% of the solution, right? The actual procedure that I do is only about 10% because the rest comes from physiotherapy, what they're doing in rehabilitation, what they're doing for their rehabilitation. And so, you know, I I was taught to um, do my surgery and then I send the patient um, ACL reconstruction, physio, please. And send them that goes on the requisition, send them out, right? No more information than that. So um, when I first started practicing, uh, I would do that. And then I'd come back and, you know, some people would do fine. Some people who are very intrinsically motivated, they would do fine. Um, But some people would not. And I'd be like, oh, okay, well, um, what are you doing? Are you going to physiotherapy? Yeah. Well, what are they doing? And then they tell me. And I'm like, geez, uh, that doesn't seem to work. And after repeating that a few times, Uh, over, you know, a couple months or years. Then I'm like, geez, this is no good. So then I said, okay, I got to be more specific. So instead of writing ACL reconstruction after physio, I started looking up various rehabilitation protocols. And then I would say, okay, look, Um, I would write ACL reconstruction. um, You need this. um, uh, You need active physiotherapy, no modalities, no machines, and use this protocol. And I would hand that to people. And I'm thinking, okay, can't you can't screw this up now, right? Because it's like you've got the whole recipe. And so I would, uh, and I monitor how those people were doing. So I found that my results were marginally better. Um, but um, still, there would be some people that fall through the crack and didn't seem to be doing that well. I would ask them, what's going on? What are you doing? And they said, are you doing physio? Yes. Are they following the protocol? Well, sort of. Um, And what are they doing? And they say, oh, well, they do X, Y, and Z. And then I'd say, no, that's not good enough. And so I found that I would be, instead of writing a requisition, I'd end up be writing an essay every time uh, uh, as the requisition. I'm like, well, why am I doing this? And I would complain. And and, and I remember my wife saying to me one time, man, why do you keep complaining? Why don't you do something about it? Right. And then, then, oh, challenge on challenge accepted. And I figured, you know, at that point, like either you can be part of the problem or you can be part of the solution. And me belly aching and complaining, I'm just part of the problem because I'm not doing anything about it. So I thought, oh, okay, I guess I got to show these peeps how it's done. Right. And I'm not a physio, but I I have a sense. like you know, I I was um, an athlete at a professional level. Um, I was um, a, a, after I finished football, I was a personal trainer and fitness instructor for 10 years. Um, And then I um, was an orthopedic surgeon uh, and and sports medicine specialist. So because of all of those things, I I think I have a bit of a, a unique perspective on it. And I thought, okay, well, yeah, I know how to train people. So, you know, why don't I show them, you know, how to put together training, physio, um, surgery, uh, assessment, prehabilitation, put the, all those things together and um, show that it's done. And, and, and the perspective that I came at this was that uh, performance training, um, fitness prehabilitation, rehabilitation, I said, you're all, we're all doing the same thing. It's all the same thing. It's just that um, there is a spectrum and you, you can either start over here if you're injured start over here if you're well start over here if you're an athlete or if you're an elite athlete and trying to do performance you can start over here it's still the same spectrum so if it's still the same spectrum and we're using the same tools either scaled up or scaled down still still all the same tools then why don't i treat it i don't why don't i have a facility that 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 physically represents that Right. So I have a continuum of care um, and I have a facility that has that is built around that uh, continuum of care. And so when when we went and purchased that spot or, or not or leased that spot, it was just a box. Right. And I said to the architect, there's a few things. I said, number one, um, this place needs to be mostly gym because that's what I think is important. And um Uh, I want people to understand when they come in here that it's a gym. And I told you I'm I'm a gym rat, so I love being in the gym, but I don't want it to be a dungeon. I said, look, it's got to be upscale because I'm an orthopedic surgeon, and I I don't want people coming, patients coming into a dungeon, right? I'm comfortable with that, but they're not comfortable with that. So it needs to be upscale, look nice, but people should walk into here and understand that this is a place of work where work happens right and so that's why it's all glass you as soon as you come in you can see the gym you can see the weights you can see everything um then and then i said to her um the the um flow between rehabilitation space movement space work space i said should be seamless i said there should be no walls right? It, it should be all flow together so that people who are rehabbing can see people who are doing fitness and they can then can see the people who are, are doing training. Um, and then the people who are training can see the people who are doing fitness and they can see the people who are rehabbing. So that people have there is this um, implicit message. All of these things are the same. They are all together. And just because today you're over here, doesn't mean that tomorrow you won't be over there, but it's still all part of the same thing. We're all part of the same family, we all work together. So, and it's very seamless. So they, so physically the space states what I'm telling people, right, explicitly. And then um, they, because the spaces are open, they see that um, the physician is there, the trainer is there. The physio is there. The massage therapist, we're all there together and we're speaking with one another. So, um, you know, in the past, if, if a physio wanted to ask me a question about a patient, they would have to write me a letter or send me an email or give me a phone call or whatever. And then at some point when I get to it, I'm going to get back to them. And it could have been a simple question right but that patient is left for a week or 10 days not knowing the answer because that's how long it took for all of that interchange to occur whereas in our place man I'm, I'm sitting down writing notes or I'm seeing a patient and um, my, my physio Jethro or Spencer or whoever they come and they say hey Chris can I grab your ear for a second yeah no problem I walk into the gym and they say oh I know this person isn't your patient but I have a question about this they had this surgery um, this is what's showing. What do you think? Oh yeah, no problem. That's X, Y, or Z. Carry on, right? Um, or you know, it's A, B, C. They should speak to their surgeon. Um, and it that took thirty seconds instead of ten days. It took thirty seconds, right? Um, and the patient sees um, they see the seamless seamless um, continuum. They get the answer that they need quickly. They they learn, even though we've not said it, they learn that we're all it's not different silos, we're all working together, right? Um for the the uh collective goal of making them better. And, and so they get to see all of that. So that that's sort of how it, it, it came about. And and again, that's another reason why my colleagues look at me like I'm I'm crazy. Because you know, in the end, I've spent about a million dollars, you know building that place and, 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 um, you know, making it run, um, over the years. And I didn't need, I needed that money. Like uh, I needed to spend that money. Like I needed a hole in my head. Like I I could have had bought a cottage. I could have been, you know, doing all these things with my money and, and spending less time. I had more time to do way more other things. But again, this came from personal responsibility in that, I'm either part of the problem or I'm part of the solution and me complaining is means I'm part of the problem. And if I, I, my parents, uh, the way that I was taught is that um, you do the jobs that need to get done, right? You don't ask, it's, there's no questions about, Oh, whose job is it? You, if something needs to get done, you do it. And so that's the way I look uh, at that. And it's, that just reminded me of a, 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 I remember I had a little story. Um, so uh one of the like i think maybe the second year that i had that that place um i was up every like i'm i'm not uh, now my staff can run a lot of the stuff by themselves i don't necessarily need to be there all the time but i remember when the first first couple years i was there every morning up uh and so like in the winter time um if, if uh, it snowed, I always got up extra early to make sure that uh, the walk in front, even though it's not my own building, and there is a snow service, I still wanted to make sure that the walk was shoveled and whatever. Um, so I, I would always be in early and I would stop by on my way home from work um, if I was at the hospital so that I could make sure that everything was running smoothly. And so I remember one day, um, we had a team in there that was training. And in the winter time, when we have teams, there's lots of people um they're tracking in snow. It's 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 messy, right? And so I, I always after the staff to make sure that the floor is mopped, because the the floor at the front is polished concrete. Make sure the floor is mopped, blah, blah, blah. So I came in one day and uh um, there, there was a team in there and the floor was terrible right and um the it was in between classes and the trainer was just standing around talking to people and it's like the trainer is not like he should see the floor and he should be take him up quickly mop the floor so that it looks good um and before the class starts right um, and it also is a safety thing so people don't fall um so anyway, he, he he's just chatting chat with people, not doing it. So I, I'm a fully trained surgeon, right? And uh, I went and got the mop and I am mopping the floor. And someone said to me, why, why are you doing that? Because don't you have people for that? And yeah, I do have people for that, but I'm doing it because it's a job that needs to be done, right? Yes. I saw that the job needs to be done and I did the job. It, it wasn't, oh, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. That job is below me. It's like, this is a job that needs to be done period, full stop. And it's not being done. I'm a person who's available to do that job now. So I'm going to do it. Right. And the human 2.0 came about because of that. Cause it's like, man, people are not doing their job. I mm. this, do. I want to, do I want to have to set up a physiotherapy place and do that? No, I don't want to have to do that, but it's a job that needs to be done. And if I look around and nobody's doing that shit, I I'm the one that's responsible. So Amen. I'm going to step up and get it done.
0: And what I love about it too, Chris, not only, you you know, you saw the need and, and you stepped up, but also it just, it's just a an exemplar, exemplary model of care, man. Like when you walk into a building and you see, like, it's hard not to embrace the like rehab, the, the, uh, fitness classes, um, the weights, um, the interaction with, among staff, like that that's a nudge. That's a nudge telling you, hey, you know what? Post-surgery, you know, if I'm going to really be smart about my rehab, not only am I going to do what the physio is telling me, but maybe I'm going to be doing stuff to get myself in better shape to prevent that further further injury down the road. You know, so like, to me, the model is so beautiful. And that could be amplified or um, like uh, almost like more companies or more groups could be doing the same thing. Like before you know it, you know, Human 2.0 is going to be an ultra franchise taking over the globe. You know what I'm but uh,
1: I, I don't know if that's the plan, but certainly I do want to, um, you know, I, I do want this to be um, bigger. And I want it to be, you know, people, there's a certain um, people have a certain association when they when they hear like Nike or when they hear like whatever, uh, Lululemon under armor. They hear these brands. People just know. They know what they're getting, right? And I, I want, in terms of musculoskeletal care, um, I want people um, to be able to hear him 2 or see the symbol and go, yeah, no, I know, yeah, that's good. I, I want to have people um, travel to say, oh, you know what? I could get care locally, but. Um, Human 2.0. That's my that's my spot, right? And and we have um, a couple uh, of of professional athletes, you know, primarily football because that's mostly um, you know my background, Jethro's background, um, and and we had uh, you know a number of the Red Blacks that we were training, but we also were starting to get some basketball players as well, um, and we had a couple Paralympians that trained with us. Um, So we're starting to kind of get out there um, in, you know, with respect to recognition amongst the the elite athletes. And I think, uh, although that's not our bread and butter, that just helps to give you a little bit more recognition. And I want people to be able to say, "Oh yeah, human 2.0, that that's the spot." And and even now, when we get patients, patients, sometimes we we'll, we all we we'll always ask them, "Well, how did you come to hear about us?" Blah blah, blah. and it's interesting. So two things that uh, I, uh, tell me that we're doing the right thing. Number one, I have people that were my mortal enemies when I was um, in residency, right, and and we never saw eye to eye, but yet. I have some of those same people referring their patients to us for physiotherapy. So, you know, we may not have seen eye to eye during residency, but at least they can understand how, um, you know, how effective what we're doing is. So that's number one. And then number two, uh, even amongst the physiotherapy crowd, um, other businesses, other, other physiotherapy locations, if they if they can't figure it out, they're stumped. They've not been able to make progress. Then they refer those patients, their problem patients, to young. us. And it's like, it's like they they think, okay, I got this guy out. It's a problem. Got to get got to get rid of him, right? And I'm like, hmm. all right, challenge accepted, bro. Let's show you how it should be fixed and get these people back to doing whatever. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's the best advertisement. Right. So um, somebody who's like, man, I went here. I went here, here and here. couldn't get fixed. Went to human 2.0. They took care of it. I'm back to doing what I do.
0: I love it. I love it. Chris, I got to tell you, this has been a gem of an episode. I really appreciate you taking the time and two things. Number one, you're going to have to come back. We're going to talk about injury uh, prevention. This is one of the things that I, for me, I'm as I'm getting older, This is one thing that's like totally on front of mind. So we're gonna have to do that. And number two, where can people track you down?
1: Uh, so people can track me down I'm on a whole host of places. So they can track me down on Twitter and on Instagram at Stable Knees, S-T-A-B-L-E-K-N-E-E-Z. Um, and then I'm on TikTok, Dr. Dr. Chris Rayner. Um, and then uh, on YouTube, which is my main, uh, my main platform, um, I have two things. So Dr. Chris Rayner, that's my main education channel. Um, and then I also have Dr. Chris podcast where I do this thing and I ask people questions. Um, and so I'm there uh, if they look up Dr. Chris Arena uh, podcast then they'll find that as well
0: amazing amazing brother thank you so much and uh, I hope your call is a wonderful one by the way
1: <laughs> hopefully man hopefully thank you and thanks for having me I great, greatly appreciate any opportunity uh, to just chat about what I do man. love it love it yeah
0: tell me that wasn't delicious Podcast Nation Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at QuarkCast. Leave any comments at Qualcast99.gmail.com. At We'd love to hear from you. Leave that five-star rating, y'all. Whether it's on Apple Podcasts, whether it's on Spotify, it helps with the visibility of the show, it helps us to change that boogie. You know Once again, I just want to thank you all of you guys and thanks for listening and we'll connect again real soon. Peace.